Welcome back to Tech Table. My name is Kevin Harwood, and I'm joined, as always, by someone who's actually standing a little closer to me than normal, uh, the fabulous Ryan Constantine. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Kevin. Kevin, why don't you tell the listeners just a little bit uh, about what we got going on here, this new setup. Why are things a little bit different? Yeah, so today we actually got something special. Uh, we're going to be bringing in a remote guest here in just a minute, uh, which means we've got a little bit different setup here in the studio. Uh, and due to some technical limitations, it's actually requiring us to stand a little closer. And by closer, I mean I'm literally rubbing shoulders with you. Yeah, it's uh, a good change. I think it's going to work out uh, just fine. I right. think it's going to be great. It's a little weird that I can't look at you. So know that I'm talking to you in my heart, but I just can't see your eyes. So it's just a little bit different. Yep. And so uh, as you mentioned, I mean, we talked a little bit last week about how I might not always be here, uh, but in a sudden change of events, we have a, we have a guest. That's right, Ryan. We do have a guest today. His name is Ben Craker, and he works with Adco, and he's going to talk a little bit about Fuse, which is their approach to precision agriculture. Uh, ben, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, Ben, welcome, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So to get started um, today, you know, we've talked about lots of different areas of technology in the past on the show, and 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 things that are being improved, and and just lots of fun and exciting things. And today we're going to talk about an area that we actually haven't covered before, Ryan, uh, and that is. Uh, farming technology that's affecting farming. Um, obviously, farming is important to everyone because everyone needs to eat, right? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about the Internet of Things, IO, IoT. It's kind of IOF, Internet of Farms. Can I say that? <laughs> Internet of Farms, yeah. That, that IOF. So, uh, Ben, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you do, what, what Agco does, and a little bit about what you do at Agco as well. Yeah, uh, so Agco is one of the largest farm equipment manufacturers in the world. So we build all sorts of farm equipment like tractors, combines, uh, hay balers, mowers, all sorts of stuff. Uh, and I work in the technology group. So most of those different uh, machines have technology on them. So everybody's heard about Google and their self-driving car. Uh, the truth is that in farming, we've had self-driving machinery for 10 to 15 years now. <laughs> uh, we just kept it off the road. So it's a little bit different regulatory environment. <laughs> right, right. Sure. And um, we all know, I mean, regulation is one of those things that's really holding back uh, self-driving cars. And I say holding back, but it's, you know, for for good reason, of course. Um, yep. But that is a, that is a great standpoint or a way to look at that, right? You guys can do that uh, because you're on private land. You're on. You're not. Uh, you're not going to crash into other cars, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's a little bit different use case where we're more concerned about uh, getting the machine to drive in the right spot in the field and not overlap areas that have already been done. Uh, so there's no need to be worried about running over people that are crossing the street because you're generally out in the middle of nowhere in a field by yourself. So. The uh, safety environment's a little bit different situation. Yeah. So, what are some of the big problems that you and your team there have been focused on, uh, you know, solving from a you know farming and technology and innovation perspective? Uh, so, the the guidance thing is, like I mentioned originally, has kind of become table stakes at this point. Uh, it was initially kind of a new fad, but everybody's adopted it. So, we've moved on to uh, new and exciting things like telemetry, uh, which is basically getting data from the machines to a remote monitoring location. Uh, a lot of that is focusing around ensuring machine uptime. So not only simple things like knowing when you need an oil change, uh, but also determining if something's going wrong with the machine and trying to fix it before it breaks uh, to help ensure that the farmers have a tractor that's up and running when they need it. Because when you look at how farming operates uh, for a lot of the world, there's a very short window of time to get things done. So the average farmer will plant, uh, you know, his entire farm in the spring in a space of, you know, two to four weeks. Uh, so it's a pretty limited time space to get a lot of work done. So they need to make sure everything's tuned up and running appropriately and having a, a dealer or somebody be able to remotely monitor what's going on 
to make sure they're not going to have any costly uh, breakdowns is very important. Uh, the same holds true at harvest time. The whole harvest has to come off pretty quickly, especially in the more northern uh, latitudes where you have to stay ahead of snow and frost and uh, other weather events that uh, can negatively impact how much uh, crop you're able to bring in. Yeah, super cool. Um, what are what are some of all like what are all the things that the tractors aware of, right? So is is it safe to say that the tractors know you know the weather conditions? They know the terrain. They know uh, they know what of uh, crop you're harvesting. That type of stuff is that all uh, handled technology wise? Uh, some of that is. Some of it isn't right now. Um, for most machines. The, it's up to the operator to input what crop they're actually doing. Uh, the, the, there are generally differences in the machine physically based on which crop you're doing. Like, like for a combine, for example, you put a physically different uh, head on the front to pull in corn than you would for things like soybeans or wheat. Uh, so it's up to the operator to you know, obviously hook up the physical piece but then tell the combine, hey, we're, we're doing this crop, and then there's some physical adjustments on the machine that are made uh, as well as some stuff within the monitor. Then they all have a GPS system in them, so the, the machines know where they are, uh, generally where they want to go and where they've been. Uh, that comes into play for things like planters and uh, sprayers or application equipment uh, so that the machine can tell, hey, I already planted seed in this area, so if you come up to it and drive through the same area again, it'll automatically shut off so you're not over-applying anything in, in that area. So is it safe to say that the farmer's actually kind of moving away from, from being in the tractor to more of like a central command post at the farm where they're monitoring, you know, multiple machines, multiple machines at one time? Is that kind of the vision you're chasing there? Yeah, um, I think that's kind of the long-term strategy a lot of people see coming is, you know, kind of fully autonomous farming. Uh, just due to there's a lot of issues involved around finding labor to operate all the equipment. Uh, so that's where you've seen a lot of drive in the last you know, 10, 20 years on equipment getting bigger and bigger because there's fewer and fewer farmers. You know, most people are moving out of the rural area into the urban environment. Uh, farming is not all that glamorous. Uh, there's a lot of long hours and hard work involved. So getting people that are willing to do that is uh, a growing concern. So that's where a lot of people are looking at uh, fully automated machines to help drive towards that end where you can just tell a machine to go out and uh, plant or harvest or spray you know, a lot of times nighttime is the better time to do that um, just due to the weather conditions and, and when crops are best to be harvested. So if you can get a robot to do that, it's a lot better than trying to get a person to stay up all night. So how accessible is some of this technology to just the farming community in general? You know, I don't I don't really you know follow this community. I don't know much about kind of how far this technology is penetrated. Is this still viewed as kind of a, a high end thing for you know more larger farms? Um, you know, do you see a path where this is just kind of the common thing for all farms? Where are we at on that timescale right now? It really depends which uh, component of the technology you're talking about. So uh, the things like the automated guidance are getting to be pretty mainstream. Uh, the, the return on investment for pretty much any farmer is pretty easy to pencil out on that technology, so it's widely available. Uh, and then having that GPS receiver already on board the machine kind of enables a lot of the other uh, functionality. So things like variable rate control where you put together a prescription map that says in this area of the field I want to put you know, this many seeds or this much fertilizer uh, is all enabled off of having that GPS position. So it's really kind of a a trickle-down effect and the real hurdles are not uh, in the size of the farm uh, it's more around getting the data on and off the machine and 
in a format that can be easily analyzed and you know, loaded into different management systems uh, to create those prescriptions right now. Uh, so it's, you know, a little bit of it is still in the, the larger farms and, you know, the kind of the more early adopter segment, but it's progressing widely throughout the entire farming industry. Yeah, very cool. Um, can you give us kind of an example, like describe what the what the modern connected farm is like, you know, is this, uh, you know, one guy that lives in a small house with a you know a certain number of acres? Is this a team of people? You know, is this uh, how many rigs are there? How many you know, what what is the what yeah, is what's, the what's all involved in it? Uh, yeah, so there it's a very capital intensive uh, business. There's um, it, it varies a lot based on what crop and kind of the location where a farm is located. Uh, but I think for like North America and the U.S., the average farm now is around 2,000 to 5,000 acres. Uh, so they'll have, you know, three or four different tractors that are different sizes uh, based on which different implements they're pulling through the field. So they'll have a, a pretty large tractor for doing uh, tillage and other operations where, you know, you're actually digging up the ground to incorporate residue and, and get a seed bed set up. Uh, then they might have a different, a little bit smaller tractor for pulling a planter. Uh, then they'll have a, a sprayer or application rig that will go out and, you know, apply fertilizer uh, or weed and pest control, fungicide-type chemicals. Uh, then they'll have a combine or a harvester that will go through and actually separate, you know, the grain that you want from the chaff and uh, other stuff that you, you don't usually use. And then there'll usually be some support vehicles around that, so another tractor with a little buggy to ferry green, grain from the combine to a semi-truck. Um, and, you know, there's usually a fuel truck that they, you know, obviously all these machines need to be fueled up. Um, yep. So I guess I, ideally, uh, from your perspective, you know, all these farmers would be using Agco equipment. Um, yeah. And, you know, from our perspective, all of these would be connected and, uh, you know, high technology, everything. Is that is that the case? Are a lot of these customers, uh, are the, all the things you just described, are those often connected? Or is there maybe, you know, the one fancy tractor that can can do all the cool stuff? and the rest are going to kind of slowly upgrade over time. Yeah, I'd say that uh, most of the new equipment is leaving from the manufacturer capable of being connected. It's not always turned on by the farmers. Um, so, you know, they have the GPS position enabled through the guidance system. They have a basically a cell modem built into them to report back to a, a central office. Uh, but not all farmers are taking advantage of that. That's where we're, we're seeing a, a fairly steady increase in the adoption there. Uh, just because, like I said, these farms are getting bigger. It's managed by fewer people. Uh, so that's where they're really starting to, you know, take a look at how can I better manage this operation, uh, especially in the last couple of years, commodity prices have, have taken a bit of a dip. Uh, so they need to make sure that they're managing things uh, to every penny a little bit more than usual just because prices are down a little bit. So they're really looking for areas they can save. Uh, a little bit of their input costs, so that's where they're going to start using the remote systems, I think, to, to monitor where machines are, minimize downtime. You know, you don't want a tractor sitting in the field uh, idling, waiting because they ran out of seed and, and you didn't have a, another uh, toe to seed there to fill the planter back up. So there's a lot of logistical things that can be managed with these systems that, as farmers are getting a little more uh, larger and complex, they're going to start taking advantage of some of those features. Yeah, one question I have on that front is if, if you look at other, uh, I guess, I, I'd call them smart communities, you know, whatever the word you want to use for them, you know, things like the smart home, connected fitness, you know, some of these other spaces where IoT and things are all getting connected up. Um, you know, one of the big challenges and one of the big things that consumers are looking for on that front is for devices to 
just be able to plug into a larger ecosystem of other devices that aren't necessarily from the same manufacturer. So finding a way for these devices to kind of have a common way to communicate and share data and, and you know, just kind of all be smarter together. Do you see that same type of drive in the connected farm space where you've got like a demand for, you know, multiple manufacturers to be working together on one standard? Or is this more of like a lock-in where, you know, once someone chooses a brand, uh, you know, they're really looking for everything from that brand and, you know, they're wanting all of those things to kind of remain in that closed ecosystem from that manufacturer? Yeah, it, <clears throat> I think most of the uh, farmers out there are looking for that more open environment. Uh, there's different manufacturers, obviously, have taken a little bit different approach to that, like, you, you know, you've seen in consumer electronics space. Uh, and Agco's really trying to lead the way in being open and partnering um, with other manufacturers to make sure that happens. So we participate in a lot of different industry groups, like uh, the Ag Electronics uh, Foundation, AEF, um, to help set some of the standards to make sure that, you know, an implement from manufacturer A can plug into a tractor from manufacturer B. Uh, without a whole lot of extra work because historically uh, farmers would spend you know a good day just installing monitors and cables and harnesses to get power back to the implement and get everything hooked up and it was a lot of work uh, and then you get done with that you got to pull out stuff back out and do the whole process over again when you install a new implement uh, so that's where we're doing a lot of work to help standardize how different uh, machines communicate to each other electronically uh, and then we also do a lot of work within a group called Ag Gateway in North America around data standards. So uh, with the revolution of big data, uh, that's definitely hitting in on farming as well. Uh, but we're, we're not quite ready to take advantage of that because, like I say, everybody's kind of got their own proprietary format that they're recording data in. So you have to have multiple different computer uh, programs to be able to read that in. So it's very difficult to take advantage of kind of the big data and analytics that are being developed because it's a real time intensive and difficult job to get all the data into one spot in one coherent format. So that's where uh, we're doing a lot of work to try to promote uh, the ISO standards, or, you know, the International Standards Organization to enable farmers to be able to use the not only different brands of machinery, but make sure the data coming off of the machinery is easily transferred into a computer platform where they can analyze it and make better management decisions based on numbers instead of, you know, gut feelings or how they've historically done things. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, the impact that mobile has had on this kind of, you know, tech innovation space with, you know, connected farming? You know, at this point, iOS is just about 10 years old now. Android's approaching that same age. And yeah, I think there's a little bit of overlap in terms of, you know, the, the kind of the big boom in, in this connected industry. How does, how does mobile play a role, you know, in the farming space right now? Yeah, mobile's huge in farming. I, I forget what the percentages are, but I, I believe that the no, the percentage of farmers that own a smartphone is actually higher than the average for the uh, population of the U.S. So uh, it's definitely something that farmers have really grabbed onto because uh, they are seldom in the office, you know, unless it's a rainy day or something, they're out in their fields working. Uh, so they need connectivity and they need the ability to be able to see what's going on with their operation, regardless of where they are physically located. Um, you know, I've seen different Twitter posts where guys are sitting on the beach or whatever, watching what's happening or uh, in traffic downtown headed to a meeting and they can check in on their operation, make sure grandpa's got the tractor running right. Uh, so it's a it's a huge issue, especially, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the the labor issues and finding trained and qualified operators is that, you know, there's more and more technology built into all these machines. So you need to know a little bit more about what you're doing when you hop in the cab. 
Uh, so being able to remotely monitor that is definitely a, a huge thing for, for farmers to be able to keep track of. Do you have any insight in terms of, you know, the farming uh, user base uh in terms of what platform is more popular? Do you see iOS more popular? Is Android more popular? 50-50 specific devices that are used a lot? Do you have any insight into that? Uh, for most of the farming, I think the uh, Apple devices are more popular. And I, you know, from our perspective, I think that's really been driven more by the manufacturers and what platform they develop apps on. Uh, it's a little easier. It's a little more controlled environment when you develop an, an app on an Apple system because you know it's going to go on you know, one of four or five different devices. Uh, whereas with Android, it's a little bit more, you know, just the nature of Android, it's more open. So it's uh, more variations on what you have to support. So people developing apps or farming, you know, it's a, a smaller community to develop for. So you're not selling millions and millions of apps. You kind of have to target your uh, dollars you spend on that and make sure you, you get the most bang for your buck. And it's a little bit easier to focus on that when you go with the Apple platform so far. Yeah, and I know Ryan would probably be more interested in this question, but what type of role has design played in, you know, your career in the last few years as mobiles become more popular, as people have kind of had different expectations for how software is designed? How do you go about, you know, working design into a connected farm and, you know, things with tractors? How do you, how do you balance, uh, you know, consumer expectations with what you need to deliver here at kind of a pro-level version of software? Yeah, that's actually a, a pretty tough area for us because most of our large machinery comes with a terminal in it, you know, and, uh, you know, we've been putting touchscreens in for a while now, but having the swipe and pinch and zoom and all the different uh, functionality you're used to having on your Apple and Android devices hasn't been there because uh, generally we're specking that terminal out three years before that machine goes into production just due to the nature of uh, the development cycle on a machine like that. Uh, so that's where we've taken a strong look at mobile, and we're looking more and more at, you know, if uh, most growers are riding around with an iPad in the cab already, you know, the machine's steering itself, it's uh, controlling the rate on its own, so they kind of get bored. So they're, you know, watching Netflix and uh, playing around on Hulu while the tractor's doing all the hard work. All they got to do is uh, wake up at the end of the row and turn around. I can't wait to do that on my connected car uh, <laughs> that, that is driving itself. That sounds like a dream of mine. Yeah, that's it's, exactly it's it. great. Yeah, that, that was a joke when uh, the guidance first came out is all these farmers had TVs in the corner of the cab with rabbit ears on them, so they had something to do when they're driving around. Um, ben, do you think, uh, is there a risk uh, for your customers or for farmers in general uh, that their job is getting taken over by technology? Is that something people are afraid of? Or is that, I mean, you did mention a little bit how it's hard to get labor, it's hard to find help. Uh, so in, in that sense, it's certainly helpful. But is it is it going to take over to the point where uh, where no farmer is ne no human intervention is needed at all? I don't think so. Uh, there's a, a lot of intuition still involved with farming, um, making management decisions and, you know, trying to guess what the weather does is a, a large part of what's going on. So completely taking the person out of it, I don't think is ever going to be a, an option until, you know, we can start modeling the weather and uh, understanding what's going to happen four months from now. So that's maybe a, maybe a hundred years out, not, uh, yeah, not 10 yeah, years not out. Five or 10. Definitely. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit longer than that. You know, right now we still have to have the operator in the cab just from a safety perspective because, uh, like I said, the machine knows where it needs to be, but it's not uh, necessarily looking at what's in front of it. Uh, so if there's a big rock or a tree or a person, it's just going to keep right on going, which can be hard on the equipment or hard on the person. Well, well uh, in that vein, then, what what is five to ten years out? What what is your uh, What is your vision of the future there? Um, I think we'll probably get to the point where it will be basically automated machines running around in the field, uh, but they'll need some sort of remote supervision or some sort of um, 
way to determine if somebody gets into the field that shouldn't be there. It's really, you know, kind of managing the exceptions at that point. Uh, so a lot of the technology already exists. It's just kind of the safety, liability, regulatory issues that, that are preventing a fully a, autonomous tractor from running around in a field and, you know, doing what it needs to do. Uh, so I think in the next, you know, five, five years or so, we'll get some of that figured out. Um, a lot of it will be hinged or connected to what happens in the automotive space with self-driving cars. Yeah, it seems like you could benefit a lot from uh, from what comes out of that. Yep, yeah, because that's a lot of the stuff we need is, you know, that LiDAR system or something to hang on the front of the tractor to let you know if you're going to be running anything over. And as self-driving cars come on, those systems will, you know, get a little bit more developed and they'll be mass produced and the price on those will will drop dramatically to where it's economical for us to include that on a machine because right now a system like that costs just as much as a tractor does so you're better off putting a, a guy in there to to operate the machine at this point so how's the uh, how's the buzzword uh big data fit into everything here going on with uh, connected farming obviously i think we've talked about you know a little bit more local where you know farmers can get feedback on their tractor what they're doing in, in their you know particular field on their property but how does that roll up into a bigger data question what what types of data are you looking at and you know what what types of insights are you trying to glean out of that yeah, big data is a huge topic in farming right now, and uh, that's where a lot of work is going around on standardizing data as it's coming in and figuring out how to get it all put into a format where a farmer can use it. Um, you know, I think statistics actually started with farming, you know, with, with Guinness back in the day, uh, doing some research on crops and yields, and that's a lot of that is carrying forward now to really kind of start taking advantage of that. Uh, so machines are going through the field. They'll record what yield came out of what spot in the field. Uh, you know, every machine pass can be recorded so you know what fertilizer you put where, which pesticide treatments went where. Uh, and farmers can use that uh, in conjunction with information about soil fertility that they can grab. Uh, and then you can kind of start building these huge models on, you know, if, if the weather does this for the year, I should plant this hybrid and fertilize it at this rate at these times. Um, so there's a lot of potential with big data once you get all those different variables kind of pulled together to be able to analyze that and really kind of optimize that whole farming operation uh, to make sure that you're getting the right amount of inputs in the right spot. You know, when variable rate technology first came out, everybody thought it would reduce the amount of inputs you put in. Uh, but as that kind of progressed, we realized that you, you end up putting about the same amount of fertilizer in the field. You just end up putting more fertilizer in the spots that need it and less in the spots where the, the crop won't be able to take advantage of it. So, so Ben, with all this data you're collecting, um, I'm curious, is that, you know, that's a, the farmer buys a tractor from you. Um, they use that, and in some ways I could see they would, uh, they feel like that's their property, that's their tractor, and I would see some farmers would want to say that that data that's collected is their data, not yours. Uh, do you collect all that data, and are you able to use that to use one farmer's, uh, the data from one farm to help another farmer, farmer, or is that, uh, you know, kept separate? Uh, no, we, we actually agree with the farmer in that they own that data. You know, it's all the information coming off their land. Uh, and like, I, like I explained for the variable rate stuff, you know, there, there's a lot of different uh, variables that they take into account. Uh, so that's, it almost ends up being their secret sauce on, well, I'm going to plant this variety and this soil type with this fertilizer package. So we don't really want to, you know, try to take that away from them. That's how they're going to farm. A lot of times they're competing with a neighbor farmer for, you know, rent on land. So they don't want that secret sauce getting out. Uh, so that's why Agco has developed a two-pipe approach to 
data coming off of the equipment. Uh, so things like the yield and what fertilizer went down, the application rates and things like that, that are really agronomic data in nature. Uh, we run through one pipe that we're pretty much completely hands off on. We enable the transfer from the machine to the management system of choice for that farmer. Uh, but other than that, we're not collecting it or storing it or aggregating or now analyzing it. Uh, we just pass it on to where they want it to go because we realize that's their their ROI, their secret sauce. Um, our second pipe is is stuff that we're interested in. It's you know uh, how is the machine performing? How much fuel is it burning? Uh, is there a bearing getting ready to go out? Are there fa failures or fault codes coming up? Uh, we we really like to see that information because it helps us uh, build a better machine. But we also realize that maybe a farmer doesn't want us to know that. So. Uh, we give them the option that when they get a system that is able of reporting that information remotely, they have to go in and check a box and say, yes, I want to share that information with my dealer and AGCO to be able to provide you know, services and help us build better equipment. Uh, but it's completely up to the farmer on whether or not they want to share that with us. Yeah, that's a, I think it's a super respectful policy. I like that. So do any of those um, uh, specific services roll into, you know, any of the products that you're actively working on that, you know, you can talk about now that, you know, are available to farmers out there or soon to be available? Yeah. So Ag Command is probably our newest product that fits into that uh, category. It's kind of our, our remote telemetry system for monitoring machine health and uh, optimization. And we just uh, announced that at the Farm Progress Show here in North America back in August. Um, so that's just kind of rolling out to, through a few selected dealers now and will, you know, as time goes on, reach a wider population. But it's a new system that, you know, we've kind of focused it at enabling the dealer to provide some of those services to the farmer. Because, um, you know, as, as much sense as it makes for a farmer to monitor his tractor and see if it's burning the right amount of fuel and all the settings are right, uh, when those tractors are running, they don't necessarily have time to sit around and watch the computer monitor to see if anything's going wrong with their tractor. Uh, so that's where we're trying to get that set up where, you know, they can get a factory trained dealer uh, that has a monitoring center dedicated to watching this equipment to not only tell them, hey, you're, you're due for an oil change and help plan that ahead of time so they can uh, avoid downtime in, in the heat of harvest, uh, but also get somebody set up where they can, you know, watch different settings on that and try to catch issues before they happen and, and keep that farmer up and running. Yeah, I wish I had something like that for my whole life. You know, if my yeah. if my doctor could just tell me when it's uh, you know time to get time to get my arm replaced or something. Yeah. yeah. So is Ag yeah don't eat that cheeseburger. You'll feel better in the yeah, morning. Exactly. Is Ag Command a service that just comes with the tractor that they kind of have for the lifetime of the tractor, or is that a, a like a subscription revenue type service where you know they buy into the tractor and then buy into the service for as long as they want to be a part of that service? Yeah, it kind of depends. Most of our machines are going to come with one year of Ag Command uh, with the purchase, and then it's a annual subscription after that. Um, so it just depends on uh, which machine and how that's uh, been configured by the different uh, um, divisions within Agco and how they work on the, the different machines. And how, how adoptive has the farming community been of services like that? I, I imagine it's like any other community where you have some people who are just ready to embrace it and some people who, you know, are who are kind of against change and like the way things are. Has that been something you guys have been fighting through? And how do you go about, you know, educating uh, the people who, you know, don't really understand the service and maybe you're not interested in it yet? Yep. Yeah, it's actually pretty comparable, I think, to the automotive industry where, you know, you had a lot of people that used to change their own oil and, and you know, do their own work on the their cars. But as time has progressed, there's a lot more technology embedded in that. So it's not really the same thing anymore. You have to have a pretty high degree of understanding of what's going on mechanically and electronically on the machines. 
uh, to be able to do some of that service stuff. So we've seen that same trend in farming um, where, you know, there's still some guys that like to do some of that on their own. A lot of it depends on the size of the operation. You know, if they're a, a large enough farm, they'll have their own uh, team of technicians and shop and uh, stuff to keep their, their farm running. Uh, whereas other guys are, they're going to say, you know, I'm going to focus on growing my crop. That's where I need to spend my time and resources. I don't have time uh, to worry about which tractor needs an oil change when. So I'm going to sign up for that service uh, with my dealer, just like most people do with a car now. When, anytime you buy a new car, uh, you're going to get a package with that that covers routine oil changes and, and you know other maintenance like that. Uh, farming's really following that same trend. So it's really like the ultimate uh, work uh, smarter, not harder uh, being applied here to the, to the farming industry, right? Yep. Yeah. It seems yeah, like, that- Oh, I'm sorry. It seems like you guys are, uh, all just all about efficiency, right? It's like, how can you, how can a farmer have a more efficient farm? How can they produce more yield? How can they, uh, do it easier and faster? Yep. Yeah. That's a lot of it, you know, to help the farmer make as, as much yield as he can and help be profitable because if the farmer's not profitable. He's not going to be coming to us to buy more equipment. So it's really our goal to, you know, help that farmer out to be as profitable and efficient as he can. Um, you know, a lot of it gets back to, like I said, it's a, a lot of hours that go into farming. So there's a lot of value farmers put in being able to get things done quickly and on time. So they have a little more free time to, you know, hang out with the family or not have to be out working all night. Uh, so that's stuff we really like to try to help out with in our equipment and our technologies to make sure that the end goal is, you know, letting the farmer get the job done quickly and efficiently and cost effectively. Yep. Yeah. You know, another thing that we've been uh, thinking about a lot lately is drones. Is there anything uh, you guys are thinking about with drones and that kind of, you know, you're talking about automated tractors, but what about, you know, automated aerial vehicles and that type of stuff? Yeah. So Agco's actually selling drones. Uh, we've partnered with uh, 3DR and Agrobotics to offer a package here in North America. Uh, and the drone really, you know, there's a lot of buzz, you know, no pun intended. Of course. Uh, around those <laughs> in uh, the industry. Uh, but the, I think as things kind of calm down and the newness and novelty wears off, it, it's just going to be another data collection device for the farmer. Um, being able to fly over the field gives a, a really good vantage point to be able to see some things, especially with you know the near-infrared and hyperspectral imagery, uh, that you're able to detect issues going on in the field before you can see them uh, you know, walking through the field on a normal crop scouting operation. So you can take action before there is an issue because... The majority of the time, if you walk by a, a field of corn and you see it's all yellow and curled, um, by that point, it's too late to do anything about it. Uh, but when you fly over with a drone and you can get an NDVI image and see that, A, there's there's an issue happening here. Even though you can't see it with your naked eye, you can sometimes go out there, you know, apply a pesticide, give it some fertilizer, uh, adjust your irrigation system to catch that issue before it has a really big impact on how well that crop's going to yield at the end of the year. So, so all your drones and what you're doing with drones is all optical stuff. Is there, is there the opportunity to spray pesticides or anything like that? Or is it just too much weight to hold from a drone to hold a tank that size? Yeah, a lot of that's going to, you know, like we mentioned, going to come down to the regulatory environment and what that's going to be like. Uh, so with the maximum weight a drone can hold right now, it's really not scalable for uh, the large production ag for things like wheat and corn and soybeans. Uh, the number of acres you have to cover, it just wouldn't be able to carry that. I see. Uh, but when you get into, you know, smaller fields or um, things like fruits and vegetables, you know, vineyards and orchards, there, there might be a place for a drone uh, in that kind of environment where you can do a lot more targeted spraying uh, of different pesticides. So it, it just kind of depends on the crop. And, you know, if, if the government decides to relax the regulations and we can fly a 
found drone around that you know maybe that'll change but uh, to this point it, it pretty much has to be a ground-based vehicle for the larger fields just due to the area and amount of product required to to cover that right. efficiently and uh, i've got one more out there question for you that i'm interested to get your insight in and and uh it's affecting a lot of the other tech spaces out there, and that's the idea of the sharing community. Uh, you'll hear people talk about the Uber 4X. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a sharing community play in the connected farm? Are these ve- Could these vehicles get to the point where they're so efficient they can be shared by multiple farms operating 24 hours a day, and there's you know an opportunity there to maybe not be the sole owner of that hardware? Is that something that's already in play? Um, and do you see that you know playing a role in farming in the future? Possibly. Uh, there's a couple people in the industry right now basically trying to, sh- to start that up, you know, where they're, you know, trying to make this sharing system. So when a farmer's not using a sprayer, for example, uh, he could, you know, rent it out to somebody else who needs it. Uh, the issue is that it gets to be very um, geographical in nature and how much money you have to spend shipping some of that large equipment around. Right. Because uh, when it's time for one farmer to plant in an area, everybody else is out planting. So he he doesn't really want to give up his planter at that period in time. And right. You don't want to wait two weeks to plant. Right. Uh, so for that kind of sharing thing to work out in farming, I think there'll be there'll be a need to you know transport uh, the machinery you know farther south, farther north, so it's a little ahead or behind of the busy season in, in that farmer's area. So then you run into costs. You know, it's not small equipment and costs money to ship that stuff around. So at that point, is uh, being able to do that going to be cost? effective enough to to make it work out or not so it'll be interesting to watch some of those uh different uh companies that are giving that a go here in farming and and see how well it works out but you know there is some potential i think for that to happen so there's no billion dollar idea there uber for farming that's really flushed out yet that has legs is that right just a hundred bucks a month and you don't have to buy a tractor yeah it just comes and does it for you i don't need to quit my day job yet and pursue that just yet is what it sounds not yet yeah i mean (laughs) unless unless you have a little bit different take on it than i do or you have a way to make it work a little better right i'd say go for it well ben this has been super interesting we really appreciate you taking the time um i really enjoy getting a chance to talk about areas of technology that i don't think about a lot and you know this is one of those and this is one of those um so uh, i've definitely learned a lot um and uh, appreciate the time where can people find out more about adco and you know what uh, you guys are doing in uh, in that space yeah so uh adcocorp.com it's a-g-c-o-c-o-r-p.com is the main website uh, to learn more about the equipment the technology uh specifically is on ecotechnologies.com uh, so that's probably the best places to go to find things out that is awesome All right. Thanks a lot, Ben. And uh, Ryan, we will see you next time whenever we're back in this room. And uh, I'll bring the mints next time. Sounds good. Sounds great. I think we can keep the same setup, though. That should be good. This worked worked well. This worked well, didn't it? Yeah. All right. uh, Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time.